Hi, I'm Darren Steele, and this is Think Queerly, a thought leadership podcast that cultivates inclusion, understanding, and social change for a more accepting, equitable, and humane world. Now, if you're a queer change maker or creative, you've come to the right place. On the show, I explore LGBTQ2S plus history, I break down social and political issues, and I speak with other queer leaders who are making a difference. Now, today I'm going to be speaking with Ethan Berkeley Garcia and Omid Razavi of It Gets Better Canada. I just finished the interview. It's a wonderful interview. We look at the history of the organization, how It Gets Better Canada came to be, the messaging and the community that they're building and encouraging and cultivating, how they dealt with COVID, the appearance of three of the youth ambassadors on Canada's drag race and what's coming up for the rest of the year. So let me tell you a little bit about our two guests, um, Omid Razavi. He's a marketing and communication specialist with a background in developing advocacy and awareness campaigns for nonprofit organizations. And over the years, he's led communications and strategic brand development for a number of organizations, including Kids Help Phone, PFLY Canada, Swim, Drink Fish, and the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management Institute for Gender and Economy. And today, he's proud to serve as the executive director of It Gets Better Canada, a national charity focused on empowering and uplifting two SLGBTQ plus youth. And Ethan Berkeley Garcia is a pansexual actor, singer, songwriter, and model from Brampton, Ontario. He currently has released two songs, which are on all major streaming platforms and hopes to release a debut album in the near future. You may have seen Ethan on television as a sidekick news anchor for CBC's Recap on stage in a plethora of musicals, including but not limited to Newsies, Hairspray, and The Little Mermaid, or in various magazines. Now, besides his creative pursuits, Ethan is a huge advocate for 2SLGBTQ plus rights and continues to use his art and platform to foster equality for all. So you, Omid Razavi and Ethan Berkeley Garcia, welcome to the Think Queerly podcast. Hi, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Well, I'm really looking forward to this show. I've been uh, back and forth, Omid, with you for, it seems like, <laughs> months to get this going, but here we finally are. Um, maybe we could start with some history, because some people, a lot of people do know what It Gets Better is about, but there's It Gets Better Canada, and there's other It Gets Betters across the world. But that's very hard to say all those words in one single sentence. Um, but maybe, Omid, could you tell us a little bit about the history of It Gets Better? And, and I don't know, Ethan, if you want to then follow up and tell us a little bit more about the Canadian project. Yeah, we are a proud affiliate of the It Gets Better project. Um, the project began over 13 years ago in response to a heartbreaking series of teen suicides in response to anti-gay bullying, youth didn't feel like they were brighter days ahead and unfortunately um, took took a path that um, two husbands um, opted to release a message about, with three simple words, it gets better. Letting them know that brighter days can be ahead for, for other youth. Uh, letting them know that you deserve your a place in community. You deserve a community. Um, you know, truly that it gets better. And that became a viral movement. This was in the infancy stage of, of YouTube when um, 
things were so new and um, messages like this really hit the hearts of people. And this one in particular impacted people worldwide and it encouraged people to share not only their own it gets better messages but their own coming out stories coming out messages and i know for myself um at that time it really truly resonated with me it was something that i would go on a rabbit hole of just listening to it felt like it was a hand-holding moment and they were guiding me through my own journey as i was coming out so This viral movement became a charity, and a few years into their formation, they grew, um, they formed a global affiliate program, which we became a part of in 2016. And in 2019, we were very proud to become um, a registered charity. And for us, the work that we do, it's all about uplifting and empowering 2S LGBTQ plus voices from coast to coast. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of how can we do this through a, a, a lens that honors the voices across Canada. And we do that through storytelling. We do that through community engagement. Um, and I mean, our storytelling elements, which I'm sure Ethan, you could speak about as well, being part of it and being um, a formidable voice that, um, uh, you know, it's part of sharing important narratives. Um, we try to connect with youth where youth are through our primarily our social channels, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, um, and, and our website. Um, the way you explained it, Omid, is I remember some of those messages. And it was very much United States dominant because that's where it first started. And I'm, I'm trying to remember the place and time. I, I do remember when it first started, how the way you communicated the emotions is really important because it probably was one of the first and very few times that people spoke with compassion and empathy in a very public, caring and proud way. And caring and pride were perhaps two things that weren't, it's not that they weren't communicated, but they weren't communicated in such a passionate but also in almost imperative way because of what was happening at the time, because of all the suicides. And it moved people emotionally to, to do something. And it, it kind of, in a way, I wonder uh, from an advocacy perspective, whether it was the first movement towards this greater aspect of kindness and compassion and open heartedness that needed to play alongside advocacy. Uh, I've always seen it is it was a true testament to vulnerability and bravery. Hmm. Um, it was a time where a lot of people opted to remove their cards, remove barriers that they have put up in place um, to mask their identity or their true authentic, authentic self yeah. in <clears throat> the betterment of other people for the betterment of other people. It was, it was a time that um, people were willing to reveal a part of them that they feared exposing, not only to their community, but now it be, it, it's, it's stamped in a, it, forever. <laughs> you know, everybody now has access to that. Your cards are out there for everybody to see, but why are you doing this? You're doing this because you believe that queer youth deserve an opportunity to, to shine and thrive for tomorrow. And I think awesome. that was a, it was a, it was a beautiful moment. Um, 
in history for showing the good of what social media can do. I think I just have to completely agree with Omid. It was very much, um, especially for It Gets Better Canada, at least, it was one of the first times that we were seeing a lot of positivity on a media, uh, from a media standpoint. And uh, I, I've known about It Gets Better for many years. And I know the Canadian version has, like Omid said, only been around since 2016. But I've known about It Gets Better even before I knew kind of about myself and my sexuality and figuring out myself. It was just kind of something that, I'd seen online when people started posting their videos and from someone who didn't even know they were a part of the community at that point, it was still very inspiring to me um, because I think it's just always super inspiring to see people talk and live their true authentic selves and their true authentic stories. And that's what it gets better is it's very much a platform for youth, especially to be able to share stories that they don't necessarily get the opportunity to do and, even their own homes. So I mm. think it's it's a it's a very important organization, and especially for youth, um, just because of all the opportunities it provides us and all the support and kind of family like connections you get to make within organizations like these. It's it's very important. Well, let me ask you, Ethan. Um, you know, comparatively, w- when I came out in 1984, <laughs> there wasn't an internet. Uh, at, at home, we still had a black and white television with three channels because cable was only just starting. Uh, there weren't cell phones. <laughs> it was still a rotary dial phone. It's like I'm just dark ages, you know. Like, <laughs> but well, like you know, the, the images I had weren't compelling, weren't welcoming. I was fortunate to be, be raised in, in, in a loving family. And when I finally did come out, my parents were understanding. But sure. with what they didn't know, they didn't know. And so I had no one to turn to. I had no images to turn to. I had no internet to turn to. I didn't even know that there was something called um, TAG. I think it was Toronto Area Gaze. It was like a support telephone hotline, similar to some of the like hotlines that like the youth line and then, you know, all these things on the internet. So do you recall if it gets better messaging or something else was sort of your first exposure that you saw online that gave you something that said, oh, this this could be me or, oh, I feel like this this gives me the freedom to feel I can be who I'm trying to figure out who I am. For sure. That's an interesting question. Um, just because I think my story is just a little bit unique in the sense that like I did, like you said, I grew up also with very um, like a lot of love, a lot of support around me. I think my dad was the one I was the most um, hesitant slash nervous to come out to. And we had a conversation about that too, just because I think I've, I've always from a young age been pretty articulate. So I, I kind of brought it up to my dad and I brought it up to my mom too. And I wasn't scared to necessarily come out to either of them, but I was definitely more nervous to come out to my dad just because he comes from more, typical Latino, um, very scary and harsh, um, strict rules. So I was a little bit nervous in that sense. And uh, I always tell people all about this every time I'm asked a question kind of related to this topic. But my dad has made like a complete 180, 360, um, not only in our relationship, but just how he approaches conversations regarding LGBTQ plus people um, in our community. And I, I, just, I just think it's so great. But me kind of finding myself and my sexuality definitely came from kind of micro things that I saw throughout the years, like it gets better campaign and interviews. Um, But I don't think I could pinpoint necessarily one thing that made me think like, hey, this is okay. Because in general, I was was in 
a loving environment where I knew that it was okay to have these things. My mom had a lot of gay friends that she um, kind of introduced me to before I even knew about myself and my sexuality. I had been to pride already. Um, So like, it's not like I wasn't exposed to these things. It just was a matter of, I didn't know. I genuinely just didn't know that was something that would interest me or that was another part of me that I, I just guess needed to explore a little bit more. And it wasn't until kind of high school where I started to realize, Hey, men are kind of cool too. Um, right. And then I started to figure out that side of myself as well. But yeah, d- definitely it gets better um, videos and articles and stuff like that. I used to do um, whenever you could pick like topics to write your essays on or like um, doing presentations in school, I would always do like LGBTQ plus rights or um, BIPOC rights just because I've always loved to advocate for, um, I guess you can call it some uh, minority Um and so I, I think just small things like that throughout the years allowed me to get to a point where I was super confident in me and my own sexuality. Oh, amazing. Omid, uh, is there anything that you want to add to that, your observation? Um, um, and, and maybe if I could ask, uh, when did you, were you with It Gets Better Canada from the beginning, 2016? Yes. Yes, I was. Um, just wanted to comment um on something quickly that even said just the fact that you you you've had the ability to work or feature projects that resonate with you and you know bipoc youth queer youth it's so touching because as the three of us are connected we're all representing different generations um darren you, you illustrated that perfect picture with the rotary phone um I was giggling about that because it was a beautiful picture um but definitely um, that was a reality that I don't think Darren and I had. So I just love hearing that you, within your generation, you're able to access that and communicate that. Um, and I'm hopeful that, yeah, organizations like It Gets Better have played a role in um, nurturing that for youth. Um, and, and to go back to your question, Darren, really proud to be um, with the organization since uh, since its early days, since, um, you know, as a, as a founding board member, um, and one thing that I always want to preface uh, when we're talking about our mission and the work that we do, I want to recognize that it doesn't necessarily get better for everybody, even though that is our mantra. Um, we are we are um, quite privileged here in, in Canada, uh, in Toronto, um, compared to other areas within the country or in the world. Uh, but even even here, you know, we have um, our own um difficulties and barriers. However, I do want to recognize that um, other people won't always have access to the same level of privilege when it comes uh, to coming out. But what we want to work towards is increasing those stories, increasing those narratives, putting out as much as we can so that hopefully we are working towards this new norm of people understanding that these conversations exist, these realities can exist, we can work towards this, and that you should be aspiring towards that. Um, and that's something that we have been uh, really conscious about since, since day one um, as, as, an, as an organization. Something very noticeable. I mean, it's it's part of your mission statement. Uh, sort of the the, the two uh, main themes: uh, building community and storytelling. But you've already mentioned it: storytelling and and how much youth is on social media. You know, TikTok being probably one of the biggest things. I admit I am not on TikTok because I can only handle so much social media, and it's not necessarily where I would be building my business per se. 
Um, but messaging really resonates when it's a story and how we started here with it's gets better being stories about empowerment, um, and sharing compassion and understanding. What are you, what do you want to feature or what are you most proud of, let's say, with respect to the storytelling initiatives that you've undertaken with It Gets Better Canada? I mean, for us, it really is about meeting youth where youth are and learning what resonates with them. And mm-hmm. <laughs> although you say TikTok might not be um, the platform that you want to uh, explore your platforms on i challenge you i challenge you to do a deep dive you will be surprised it is um i i was uh i was skeptical but it is a gorgeous platform for uh literacy all all around for queer literacy for bipoc literacy for disability conversations um things that have been communicated in these short concise and incredibly creative ways and what I love to see, Darren, is how it's resonating with youth. The, the great thing about understanding or how we understand where youth are is um, in response to the engagement that we receive. So when we release content on TikTok, those youth who are responding, who connect with it, who thank us for these pieces that we're putting out, these conversations, that is when we know that we've, you know, either gone through the right approach or that this is um, a formula that's working that we can continue or, you know, we're even, even if it's just resonating with that one person who feels seen, it just makes that whole campaign, that whole concept worthwhile. Um, so again, it's about meeting youth where youth are, but I don't want to say that TikTok is strictly um, for youth. There is such an openness to learning on that platform and how people are using it in these creative manners because we're in a new age where our attention spans have been significantly reduced. So how can we attain people's attention in a creative way? Uh, I suggest anybody who wants um, a masterclass in that, um, go to TikTok, spend a few minutes on TikTok and you will be amazed. Ethan. Yeah. Would you consider yourself an expert on TikTok or is that a platform where you get to do a lot of your work for it gets better as, as a, as an ambassador for the, for the project? You know, I do, I, I do a lot of TikToks. I've done a, um, a few TikToks for It Gets Better and it has been a blast. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I love creating videos, I always have. And TikTok is just a very easy way to make those videos and make, like Omid was saying, something, a huge topic and able to pull kind of all the important information and then make it very concise and um, tangible for people. Because again, <laughs> people don't want to watch a 30 minute video talking about something super important. It's really easy to watch a 30 second video highlighting the really important parts. And if I'm really interested about that topic, I'll then go and do further research about it. And I think that's kind of what TikTok has allowed, especially queer youth um, to have the capability, even with it gets better um, to learn a little bit more, but I wouldn't call myself an expert. (laughs) I definitely am um, tech savvy, um, but I think that kind of just comes with our generation and learning and adapting to the apps that are introduced to us. Now, I know there's a couple of 
um, on the website, for example, there's a series called Queerography. And then, Ethan, you also did that. I think it was a three-part series, but it was the... Uh, was published as an article called it's I'm not coming out of the closet. Um, either maybe do you want to tell us about I'm not coming out of the closet and then Omid perhaps tell us about the, the queerography series. Well, Omid and I always have our little touch base meetings every few weeks just to kind of see new projects that we can be working on or just ways to highlight my story or just important topics that I kind of just want to talk about. And this was the first article piece that we had kind of both been like, no, this is kind of a good piece for people to have. Uh, We had a few ideas out there and this is kind of just the one that ended up sticking and we landed on. I'm not coming out of the closet. I just think it was a very funny name for me. I just thought it was a, a very quirky name. And honestly, if you read the article, it very much doesn't encompass kind of what I talk about. Um, it was the whole article is about, I would say, just coming out in your own way, not feeling like you have to come out like everybody else comes out, whether that be making a big social media post or I don't know. There's just so many different ways of coming out. And I think only. Uh, the big kind of reveal on social media is the one that's really pushed, especially in um, our media. And a lot of people, especially with YouTube, that became a big thing. Um, That was a big way of people coming out of the closet was making these YouTube videos explaining their journey. And it's really empowering to see those videos, especially when it was, it gets better Canada and being like, you know what, it does get better. Um, And seeing all those videos, but an article for me was just a perfect way of concisely explaining my story and um, kind of the limitations of of what I felt I wanted to share with people and how I wanted to explore my sexuality. Because for me, I didn't want to, I say this in the article, but I didn't want to prove the bullies right is one of the quotes that we use because I had a lot of people that had called me, you know, the F word or gay or just all these negative connotations. Um, which shouldn't be negative, but all these negative connotations um, that I just didn't necessarily want to give in to those realities. I didn't want to prove those people right. And that was the main reason why I never came out of the closet. And one of the main reasons why I was so scared to live authentically. So when I finally was really comfortable in my own skin, at least when it came to my sexuality, I got to a point where I realized that I wanted to start talking to men as well as women. And I did that with the condition that I was not going to do a big post on Instagram. I wasn't going to go live stream and talk about it and make it a big deal because I could have, and I like to talk. So I definitely could have written something nice um, to explain exactly what I was feeling. But for me, my sexuality was just another part of me. I never wanted to be labeled as Ethan, the pansexual kid or Ethan, the, the gay kid. I just wanted to be Ethan, the kid who does music, the kid who writes articles and just happens to also be a part of the LGBTQ plus community, because truly that's what sexuality is to me. It's just another aspect of my life. Um, and and that's it. It's, it's very much it when it comes to advocacy for um, it gets better. And also for LGBTQ plus rights, I always push the idea that this is one small part of who I am. And I think that's, that's the most important thing because a lot of people come in, exploring themselves in the LGBTQ community, thinking that they have to do a full 180 transformation. They have to now start doing drag. They need to start doing all these stereotypical gay things when that's not everybody's reality. And that, that wasn't my reality. And it's only now that I've started indulging in makeup here and there and, and some, some fun stuff. But that was after a long time of getting rid of some internalized homophobia. 
Well, I think you said some interesting things that I just want to touch on. Um, yeah, go for it. That the, you know, again, when I came out, <clears throat> certainly there wasn't a guide and it was a very long process. And like I said, there wasn't an internet, so I wasn't coming out on YouTube. But, you know, it was coming out to very close friends and then my parents and then, you know, a couple of years later, like my grandparents. And then there was the process of my parents coming out to friends and family that's like, well, my son is gay. Um, But it was very binary. It was either you were straight or gay or you were gay or lesbian. And we didn't have many other alternatives. And one of the pros, but possibly also the cons of a gay community are some of the expectations or the norms that exist within a gay community. Like there's always norms within any community. And I think what we're seeing now in, you know, the last few years and as it's evolving with the greater breadth of understanding of freedom of gender and sexuality is that there isn't a community. There's a network of individuals. And some of us might collect more with our brethren (laughs) or people who we feel connected (laughs) with and similar to. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's both, it's again, a pro and a con because there might not be the guidebook. How do I be pansexual? How do I be trans? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But there is at least this greater freedom to explore Mm -hmm. and find out what suits you, what feels natural to you and labels are stupid so who cares like (laughs) like genuinely i I tell people that all the time we're too focused on labels and i say in my article like it's more important to hone in on the feeling not the label because when you get caught up in labels you get too worried about well am, am i checking all those boxes and that's what it was for a long time it's like especially with you've probably heard of the show called heart stoppers like they have this one scene where the boy goes online and he searched am i gay and then he does like the buzzfeed like gay quiz like that was me like that that's exactly what i did too like i related to that scene in such a wholesome way but it kind of made yeah. me go like oh my god i can't believe that i thought that taking a quiz online was really going to tell me <laughs> my sexuality you're only 78 percent gay <laughs> <laughs> no exactly like i don't i don't know why i ever thought that was going to help me for it but i think it was just the confirmation that i needed it was i needed someone to tell me you know what no you are this thing so that i felt okay with accepting that but it's it's your own journey and once you come to realization that it's really only you that has to come to term with these things then yeah. that's when you get to live very <laughs> authentically and way happier Amazing. Oh, if if I can just up on that and tell us about uh, queerography. Yeah, but if if, if I could just add about um, Ethan's piece, um, it continues. I think it launched in March, and it continues to be the most visited written piece um, since its launch. And I think, well, you know, while while pansexuality is not a new concept, it is a term that might be new for a lot of people. And it is a term that a lot of people want to better understand. So I think um, the piece that you wrote, Ethan, is truly resonating with um, the needs, the curiosity of everyone across Canada who is looking to better understand you know, what their identity journey can look like or what the term pansexuality means. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's thousands and thousands each month. So uh, wow. really um, great piece. And uh, yeah, so, so happy that you were able to um, share that with us while also being mm-hmm. um, vulnerable about your own story. So thank you. 
No, thank you. Um, thank you for It Gets Better for giving me a platform to do so. Not everybody has that opportunity. And it's truly so special to be able to share these stories with people who I hope resonate, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And um, speaking of, of queerography, I mean, that was a, it was another opportunity for us to share some really important stories. Um, this concept came to be a few summers ago, really at the height of... Um, you know, the BLM movement with George Floyd and anti-Asian hate um, understood that we understood as an organization that we wanted to be able to support queer talent um, in, in a way that made sense for the stories that need to be told. And we were connected with this amazing queer Asian film uh, videographer and choreographer called Phil Kim. And we connected with uh, him and just wanted to get a better sense of what stories he wants to tell, what sort of vision he had. And the end result was a five-part video series that was um, a true love letter to Toronto, to dance, to BIPOC queer talent. Um, So it's a five-part series that was shot really when restrictions were still rather heavy um, due to COVID. So we worked around, you know, what can we do? We want to move away from the Zoom model because um, we've just been doing so much of that uh, during during COVID. So brilliantly scouted these locations across the city to feature just the dancer, the dancer in um, one location that resonated with them as they shared their identity journeys and their struggles with, um, I mean, the first video is this beautiful shot with Irv Washington um, as Irv, he's, he's dancing with all this drapery talking about his struggles with faith and his um, sexual orientation. Um, There's this other one with um, Celeste Henry Powell, who is dancing through these webs and talking about their journey with with self-harm and how, you know, they were able to embrace their emotions to really overcome who they wanted to be or overcome that, that struggle. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a series that I, I'm so proud of. Um, I just loved seeing Phil execute a very clear vision. Um, but something that I would encourage anybody who has not seen, you can go on our website, you can access, um, all five videos who are very, very different, five unique voices. Um, and one that just showcases um, creativity through COVID, the city, uh, when we really uh, wanted to access the beauty of the city after a period where we couldn't. Yeah, they are beautiful videos. And, you know, speaking about COVID, like, oh, <laughs> what was that like um, for It Gets Better? I mean, when I spoke with you, Omid, um, in advance, uh, just to discuss uh, today's episode, you know, there was the issue of especially how do youth cope who might be living at home where it's not safe or, um, you know, how were you able to help? What sort of measures or services or strategies were you able to provide? Yeah, I mean, uh, nobody saw that coming clearly. <laughs> and our board was at a at a at a at a in a at a moment where we really had to become a working board. Uh, we really 
understood that there was, um, I mean, this pandemic and, and the effects it had on queer youth. I mean, queer youth are already struggling with um, increased levels of bullying, abuse, mental health struggles. Uh, I mean, I know Kids Help Phone month-to-month reports that over 50% of their text users identifies LGBTQ2+. Um, so we knew that, you know, youth are already dealing with these elevated, queer youth are already dealing with these elevated struggles. However, you're now bringing them into quarantine, or as we refer to it, quarantine, where they don't have access to their chosen families, their their communities outside of their home that were huge parts of their uh, mental reinforcement, their support systems. So unfortunately, the reality for many were they're stuck at home in a household that might not necessarily allow for them to express themselves, uh, be themselves authentically. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't know how long this was going to last. We didn't know what, what tomorrow was going to be like. So for them not only um, being forced to stay within that family structure or household structure, but also being told you can't leave, we knew we had to take action. And the board um, connected and worked through our network to get some amazing, notable talent within Canada to share um, messages of hope, messages of support, starting with Sukin Lee. Um, who doesn't love Sukin Lee? <laughs> um, just, you know, sharing their story of the first time she had a crush on a girl and what that meant and um, in high school and uh, you know, offering support of, you know, the fact that it gets better, but what can you do in your day to day while you're stuck at home um, through the power of um, sports, the power of journaling through the power of um, connecting virtually if you need to. So we had an amazing array of, um, queer talent who supported us uh, in the Stay True, Stay Safe campaign, where it was just, it was a love letter, I think, to youth, uh, where these notable Canadians volunteered their time. And it was early days where, you know, we were allowed to get away with that rough film video. Um, no, no great lighting or, you know, static shots, but it's the message that makes the impact. And um, I think it resonated and it just it reignited an energy in our organization. And I think it really became a launching point for us understanding what the path forward looked like for us as we connected with youth um, during COVID. Amazing. Ethan, can you share whether uh, what the board was able to do impacted you or your experiences in relating with other, you know, friends who were also queer and maybe how they were dealing with it? For sure. Well, it, it's unique for me because we were, I think Omen and I started talking just after COVID. It was kind of like COVID had just, our restrictions had started to kind of leeway and um, things started to open up a little bit more. So it was kind of like the aftermath um, before we went to more lockdowns after. But um, I think just during COVID, I had it, it was it's interesting because I had kind of friends on both sides of the spectrums. I had friends who during COVID actually having that time at home 
they got to figure out themselves a little bit more because they were stuck with their own thoughts. They were stuck with TikTok. They were stuck with videos from It Gets Better or just just media that uh, I think media was being absorbed the most during COVID. And so there was just a lot of information being shared and a lot of people coming to realizations during COVID um, and kind of bettering themselves during COVID too and figuring out that side of themselves. So I have, I have tons of friends who are now openly queer, who I'm super proud of for coming out um, and figuring yes. out themselves. And there's been a few people that I've had the opportunity and I've been fortunate enough to kind of have those conversations with, and I've been able to be that person for some people uh, to be like, Hey, like it's okay to feel these things. And, and this is why you might be feeling these things. And if you're looking for a label, here's some information about these labels and how you might identify with them. So that was definitely one side of the spectrum. And then like Omid was talking about, unfortunately there is also people that I knew that had super Christian households or Catholic households or just parents who, who, who were not accepting in the slightest. And it was a struggle even on my mental health to try to support those people because even though I wasn't necessarily the one going through it, it's kind of like secondhand struggling because it's like you're really good friends who you see going through these things. And I, I people are part of the LGBTQ plus community. I just... I feel for because everybody's story is so unique. And as much as I want to completely understand, I can only empathize so much. So I don't know, it it hurt me a lot to see a lot of my friends or just even mutuals or people that I knew close to me having to be in quarantine, like he was talking about, um, with families who might not have been the most accepting, but they did make it through it. And we're here now. And it did, in fact, get better now that we're out of uh, quarantine. So I think uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, we definitely reached it. <laughs> well, can we talk a little bit about Canada's drag race? So I think this is something that the both of you need to talk about because this, <laughs> I'm assuming, was probably a very pivotal moment both for Ethan on a personal level and Omid for the organization. So maybe... Ethan, you just spoke. Maybe Oma, tell us a little bit about this, and then Ethan, fill us in with your experience. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the organization is a huge, huge fan of the show. Uh, the first, the first season, just ugh, groundbreaking, amazing feature on uh, talent within Canada, and we knew we wanted to be a part of it for season two. Um, and we were fortunate enough to connect with the producers. And um, get a sense of get a sense of um, you know what they were looking for, and uh, connect with them in terms of our mission and our our wants to uh, feature youth and connect with youth and share the stories of youth. So um, you know, collectively, we uh, worked on um, identifying youth within um, the GTA to uh, feature for the queer prom episode. We uh, recognized that, unfortunately, a lot of these teens uh, were not able to attend their pride, which is heartbreaking. Not not pride, pardon me, prom. Um, So uh, what better way to attend your prom than to uh, be guided by a drag mother um, into your own queer prom? So after months and months of careful selection and um, back and forth, um, you know, five amazing queer teens were selected, uh, one of which was Ethan. And if I, I can 
with complete no no bias at all to let you know that that was the most emotional episode of the season i don't think there was anybody within our organization who had a dry eye uh watching it um it was just so beautiful to see how all the teens were not only accepted and uh mentored but um how the drag queens were also mentored through the youth and inspired through the youth and um you know, still to this day, um, it's one of the highlights of my career. And to continue to be able to work with um, the youth like Ethan, um, it, it's, uh, it's such a pride. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Drag Race was the experience of a lifetime. I don't think, um, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely, every time I get this question, it's, it's kind of hard for me because I can never put to words how much and how pivotal that experience was for me. Um, Coming into Canada's Drag Race, I did it because I wanted to challenge myself. Um, and I think that's a little bit... I think all of us wanted to challenge ourselves, but me especially, I still had a lot of internalized homophobia. And I didn't necessarily want to admit that to myself, but I was very terrified to have to be in heels, to have to be in makeup, to have to... I've, I never had done gayness to that extremity and it's not that i'm not happy that i did it because that was one of the best experiences of my entire life because now i can go out in public and i will wear makeup if i want to and i i will do anything necessarily that i want and i feel way more empowered after that experience but it was very scary going into it knowing that i had all that internalized homophobia but like omit said the queens were super supportive um we still are pretty in contact with the queen still and they're still super supportive they'll like on our posts and comment our posts sometimes and um it was just the whole few days that we were filming it was just complete love on set um whether that was the queens or just everyone behind the scenes everyone was just so welcoming and it was such a safe space and although i was terrified literally shaking in my boots or in my heels i guess um i was still felt so welcomed and so so, uh, safe with everybody on set and um i wouldn't i wouldn't take that opportunity back for anything because it truly i always tell people me pre-drag race and me after drag race is a completely different person and even my best friend from the show michaela uh she's even seen that growth because she got to see me coming into the show and then now we hang out all the time and she gets to see how open and free I am now. Um, And I always tell people that because I was going into my first year of university. So people who knew me in high school and people who knew me in university got two completely different versions of myself, but definitely for the better because I'm just so much happier and so much more confident now. And I don't think I would have been able to write articles or do TikToks or talk about these issues as freely and openly as I have been able to, if I didn't have this drag race experience. And like Omid said, although we missed our prom, what better way to celebrate a missed prom than to do it on TV for everyone to see um, with truly just incredible people. Well, I guess, you know, just off the top of my head here, a reflection of what you just said in how this was pivotal for personal transformation for you. um, By having to show up with all the facets of your identity through the art of drag. Um, You got to see all the parts of yourself and what was scary to you, the fear you were facing was just that moment that you were either going to show up fully as who you could be, or you could 
you know, suppress it and decide not to be that person. But once you cross that threshold, change is something you can go back from. Transformation, you can't. It's like the butterfly that was previously the caterpillar. There's no return. <laughs> right? For sure. What's happening? Well, we got Pride coming up in Toronto, but any events, any major initiatives that are happening with It Gets Better Canada in 2022 or beyond that, you know, we should know about or we should be looking forward to? Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely don't want to downplay pride and what that represents. I mean, we're really excited to be joining uh, Toronto Pride again this year. Um, Ethan Sorry is joining to us. That everybody uh, just wants to be around people. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. And queer we people. People. Yes. 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 Queer people. Bring me my queers. <laughs> it's, it's. But if you think about it, there are um, probably two or three years who have not been able to access Pride for their first time. So mm-hmm. we're going to get this influx, and we're so excited. We're so excited to meet people. So excited to march with them and wave to them. Um, it's going to be hugs. tremendous. Yes. <laughs> um, and then beyond that, uh, you know, we're we're continuing to work towards elevating our. Uh, our channels and working at um, featuring amazing BIPOC talent and queer talent. Uh, Our next event series um, is hopefully launching in September, and that will be a highlight on um, some great um, TikTok queer voices. And they'll be talking about how they've used their platforms to not only raise awareness and advocacy, but hopefully even encourage others that, uh, that are looking to follow, uh, follow suit in the same path. Um, our, I mean, the past, the past year has been great for us in terms of brand awareness and foundational support. So with all of that, we're really looking at seeking, you know, more, um, more opportunities so we can expand the content and the content, the way that we deliver our content. So one thing that we're really hoping to um, move forward with is a uh, queer literacy hub. How can we transform our website to um, meet the needs of youth? How can we uh, create the content in in a way that um, allows them to access a journey that makes sense for their personal growth or their per- wherever they are in their gender or sexual orientation journey. So that's something that we're really focused on uh, this year. So stay tuned for that. Ethan, what is your role or involvement going forward for the rest of the year? Maybe um, what I didn't get a chance to ask you more formally at the beginning is, what is your role as ambassador? For sure. I think that's that's a hard question to answer because, uh, like I said, we, we do a lot. I, it gets better. I've, I've had the opportunity to do – I think it's just mostly media um, content creation. There's definitely some things that we've been talking about long-term. I don't know if I'm allowed to speak about those, so I'm not going to. But um, definitely long-term, there's some some bigger projects that I'm super stoked about. Uh, in the long-term, just as a goal, I just want to reach more people. I just want to have conversations with people who are willing to have them. Um, and, and, and meet people, like you said, just being around people is so exciting. And especially queer people, I just want to go and give everyone a big hug. Um, so if you see us at Pride, please please come give me a hug because I'll, I'll be there with open arms. <laughs> Wonderful. So Omid, let me ask you, is there a success story? 
it, and it may still be the RuPaul's Canada's Drag Race, but is there perhaps a personal success story or uh, an individual youth success story that has impacted yourself in the role of executive director? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll highlight two moments, um, if that's okay. Uh, mm. One of them being uh, definitely uh, with the, the youth from um, Canada's Drag Race. Uh, in January, we hosted a queer youth mental health panel. And this was a month or two after uh, the premiere of the episode. And um, we had uh, Ethan, Clover, Michaela, and Friday attend. And, oh my goodness, the the privilege I felt <laughs> to share a platform with them and their wisdom and just the insight that they shared blew me away. I... Um, I didn't have access to that when I was in my 20s. Uh, So you all just gave me so much hope for what tomorrow is going to look like and what the the next generation is going to bring. And I think think myself, the organization, we were on such a high for weeks to follow with everything that you all brought to the table. And then... um, the, the next one is sometimes you just don't realize the impact or how far your words or comments can go in a good way. Um, I was connecting with, when we launched our TikTok, I was connecting with uh, this amazing um, uh, TikTok called Tyra Blizzard from Ottawa. Um, and Tyra created the first, some of the first um, uh series of contents for us and they were recently out and when we were meeting i um i connected with her and i just said welcome to the community you know you're part of the 2s lgbtq plus community and i did not realize how much that stuck with tyra and she said that was the first time she felt accepted and welcomed and i think she even did a video about it um which completely just shocked me because you know when you want to offer um support or affirmations for people you truly don't understand how far it goes um so for just a little bit of you know shoulder padding or hand holding um it doesn't take much from you but it can really make an impact for others and hopefully that's just um a small indicator of the work that we do day to day amazing and Ethan, similar question, or how has your involvement with It Gets Better Canada transformed your life? Oh, goodness. Well, like I said, it's just always been a huge goal of mine to be able to reach people that I wouldn't necessarily be able to reach just from, I don't know, my day-to-day posting on social media. And I've been able to DM or Snapchat or email and connect with so many like-minded individuals. Um, We even had the opportunity to connect with some of the It Gets Better youth from the US, which was super exciting as well. Um, They were super lovely. And I just think in in total, I've I've been super inspired by all the stories and and the willingness to share that people have. Um, It feels just so great when you have people messaging you and being like, your piece really helped me or um, I saw your TikToks and it made me like think about certain things or made me reevaluate certain parts of my life. Um, And just having those conversations and being able to be some sort of aid or guide, if I can even call myself that for um, 
queer youth or even I've had adults message me and be like, this really helped me. And especially after um, the prom drag episode came out, I had people in their fifties message me and be like, I didn't have this when I was your age. It's so inspiring to see such a like, I don't know what the word is like kids who just have such a willingness to want to be advocates for to us LGBTQ plus community. Um, And it's just been really cool to see people older and younger than me being like, wow, this is so cool that you were able to do this and thank me for it. Um, I just, it's been very humbling and I, I've been trying my best to um, pop my head every so often so that it deflates a little bit Uh, just because I'm like, this is, this is getting over, (laughs) this is getting overwhelming with the amount of people who are like, thank you so much. And I, and I do very much appreciate it, but it, it's a two-way street. I think all the people that message me inspire me as much as I hopefully inspire them. So it's uh, it's a mutual thing. It's that's wonderful, and it, it just a little reflection on my past. I can't remember. It, I think it was 1989. Um, I was in Ottawa, Carleton University, and I came to Toronto for Pride. And this is when still one of the. 18 or 19 story apartment buildings were at the corner of a uh, young and wood before the, the current like 12 story Alexis or whatever it's called. But there was a bus stop there because the bus used to go down church street and the parade, the Sunday parade went down church street. And I was standing on top of the bus stop with my friends. And the reason I'm telling this story, because the, the relation is that at that time for me, it was P flag P flag got the most emotional and it's actually making me feel it right now. I got the most emotional response and people went crazy clapping as they walked down the street because it was like, here were finally adults coming together to say, we love our kids. Mm-hmm. And now what's happening with It Gets Better Canada, it's like the youth are saying to youth. And yes, they're working intergenerationally, but it is the youth that are so much more empowered in this generation that are taking it upon themselves and, and, and learning and growing. And it's, it's, it's empowering and, you know, wonderful to see. Oh, yes. I, I love that a lot. And I would say in every aspect, like we're just moving forward, even, even in my major at school, like a lot of times we'll relate back to, I'm in music theater performance and we, talk about BIPOC and their um, involvement. And we also talk about the 2S LGBTQ plus community and their involvement in music and also theater and dance and drama. And I think just as a society, we're, we're really moving forward. That's, that's what I see at least. Um, maybe that's a little bit of an optimistic uh, look, but especially he- hearing all these um, older people than me who get to tell me all the stories about when they were younger and the things they have, <laughs> had access to and what we have access to now. I'm just so grateful um, that I'm a part of this generation that's hopefully moving it in the right direction. Omid, I'll ask you this question, then Ethan, you can give me your answer. Um, if, if there was only one thing that you could offer to a young person listening or watching this episode, or even to an older person who might be able to help a young person who they know needs help, what would that advice be? I might take the approach for, for the older person or the ally. Um, Mm. There's so much power in just listening, Mm. just listen and um, understand that when somebody's coming to you with a revelation or the need for support, sometimes all they want to do is just, you know, speak to you and they're not necessarily um, 
looking for your opinion or your advice. And, you know, if you have valid advice to offer, amazing. But it should never be an opportunity where it's about you. It is about the youth who is approaching you. And um, they are in a mindset where every action from you that follows can impact them quite heavily. So understand that power that you possess and, um, yeah, just hopefully, uh, reflect and listen. <laughs> nice. Wow. Ethan, I, don't know, I don't know how I'm going to top that. Um, I agree. I think, I think listening is, is a very important aspect of, um, growth just as a society and, for anyone maybe younger who might be listening, who might be exploring themselves or not sure kind of where to go. I, I remember me being super stressed out because I needed a label and I needed to know exactly what I was and why I was feeling the things I'm feeling. But again, hone in on the feeling, not on a label and just live authentically as authentically as you can in the circumstances that you're dealt and everything will work out the way it's supposed to work out. Stop worrying too much about what everyone else is going to think, but because at the end of the day, they don't have to go home to you. You have to go home to you. You're the one who has to lay in bed late at night with all the thoughts that want to explode and come out. And that's why we call it, that's why we call it coming out because it's, it's things that you're internalizing for so long that finally get to a point where it's like, I can no longer hold this inside. So if I could give one piece, piece of advice to anybody who might be listening, it's let it out don't don't let it get to the point where it's forced out because there's way healthier things of approaching there's way healthier ways of approaching sexuality and like omid said it can be as simple as just listening or just having really important conversations with the ones that you love accepting or not yeah no that's very well said so omid there's uh, quite a number of ways that people can interact and support it gets better canada but what what might be the top two or three ways you would suggest or invite people to, to learn more? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, a lot of the times people want to support us and um, they understand that we're a charity and they can't donate. Absolutely understand that. But what people don't realize is as a storytelling and content-driven organization, there's so much power and weight if you just share our content if you engage with our content, um, you know, go to our website at itgetsbettercanada.org. Go to our, our Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Like, share. For myself, when I see um, our content, uh, especially on our Instagram, um, it's the shares that resonate more so than the likes because I understand that this impacted somebody so much that they wanted to share this message, this, this content with somebody else who they know will benefit from it. Um, so there's so much um, value in just sharing our content. I think that's the, the first thing that I'll always ask for people to do. Wonderful. Anything you'd recommend, Ethan? Hey, if you, if you want to support me and, and all the art that I am doing or any of the articles that I'm doing with It Gets Better, because hopefully there'll be more to come, um, you can check my Instagram out at Ethan Berkeley Garcia. Um, and all my other social medias are just Ethan B. Garcia. If I can add, I mean, Ethan has some amazing music out there. Um, <laughs> you know, I've had it on, on repeat uh, in the past and now with Pride. So, like, it's definitely some stuff you should add to your Pride playlist. Um, add it to the Pride playlist. And there's more to come. Yeah. I promise, guys. There's more to come. <laughs>
Well, thank you, both of you, Obed and Ethan. I really appreciate there's a little bit of vulnerability and openness, and you know that's what really good storytelling is about, and what it gets better is very much premised upon. So, I appreciate the both of you, and as we're all from in Toronto, happy Pride! Happy Pride! <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you. 